Good morning, everybody. Hey, who's a little bit excited about having some church today? Huh? Yeah? All right. We are so glad that you're here and you've joined us. The candle is lit. So, yeah. Uh, Marilyn, who one of our members here, Brandywine, who volunteers at our front desk, she had the opportunity to lead one of her family members, Audrey, to Christ, and she is with us today. Let's celebrate with Audrey. Also want to celebrate, we uh, as a church support uh, one of our church planter, past, a pastor in Northern Africa through World Renewal. And uh, he is reaching people in a very hostile situation, dangerous area uh, filled with uh, Muslim extremists. And we got word this week that he baptized 17 people, Woo! new Christians. New Christians. So, pretty cool. Love to see our missionaries that we support fruitful. Well, hey, don't forget next Sunday, uh, we are starting a brand new series uh, called Joy for All People. It's our Christmas series. Uh, so, there'll be three different uh, teachings on that, the third one being uh, our Christmas Eve services. But uh, it all starts next Sunday. Be sure and bring somebody back with you. All right. Well, hey, we are in part three, uh, final week of our message series called More Than Enough. More Than Enough. And today, I want to talk to you about generosity and the biblical principle of the tithe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll try it again. You, you, know, you know how excited you get as a church whenever the candle's lit and we have changed life celebrations. So, and I know, I know that because our, I know our church gets just as excited whenever we talk about generosity and the biblical principle of the tithe. So I'm going to try it again. And here we go. Now, no, you got to wait till I say it. Huh? <laughs> I love it. If you're going to beat, beat me to the bunch. Today, I want to talk to you about generosity and the biblical principle of the tithe. You are my kind of people. <laughs> I remember when my daughter Carmen was in grade school, uh, just a little girl. She, she invited one of her classmates to come to church with her. And uh, lo and behold, I mean, this is over 20 years ago. And her, her friend came to church and brought a whole family. It's a family of four, mom, dad, and, and two children. And following the church service that day, my, my little daughter comes up to me, and a disgusted look on her face. She said, Dad, of all Sundays, why did you preach on giving this Sunday? You know, well, that family must have enjoyed uh, the service that day because today that dad is one of our church elders. So, um, if this, is your, if this is your first time to Brandywine, who knows? You may be our next elder after you hear this message. But Acts uh, 20.35, Acts 20.35, probably the most unbelieved beatitude in the Bible. Uh, Jesus is teaching, and he says this. He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's say it together. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Now, as a church, I know we really do believe that because this is, this is an amazing, generous church, and we were known for that in our community. But most folks in the world do not really believe that statement that Jesus made, that it is more blessed to give than receive. It's a difficult concept to, to take in uh, if you're new in the Lord or you haven't met the Lord yet, and, um, but... Uh, the fact that generosity actually benefits the giver more than the recipient. That's just a hard one to wrap our mind around. And what I mean by that is whenever we do a message uh, on generosity like we're doing today, many of us think generosity is something that God wants from us. But according to Scripture, it's something that He wants for us. And what he is saying is that as a giver, you are more blessed to give than, than receive, to receive, that you will get more blessings, you'll get more joy and have more joy and experience greater happiness from giving than you ever would from receiving. Now, the question of the day is this, do you really believe that? Do you believe it? Do you believe that the giver will be happier than the getter? <laughs> uh, uh, because that's not normal thinking, you know? Normal thinking is that, is this is normal thinking. Well, I'd like to give more generously. I would give more generously. I'm just afraid I wouldn't have enough left over. I wouldn't have enough. It's what we call a, a scarcity mindset. And Pastor Matt uh, touched on it last week. Isn't he a great teacher? I mean, I just, he is one of my favorites. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. He's uh, just an amazing teacher. So blessed to have him part of our team here. But uh, the scarcity mindset, Paul actually addresses it in Philippians chapter 4, uh, where I was at three weeks ago today. But uh, if, if you'll learn to live, uh, basically Paul's saying this, if you'll learn to live a, a generous life and give of your time and resources to the Lord, then having a scarcity mindset is basically a non-issue. That's what he's saying. Why? Because of the promise of God in Philippians 4. What is that promise? He says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, living generously, it's not that hard if you really trust that God will take care and really resupply, and if you really believe that he'll always, you'll always have more than enough. Um, and it's interesting, Jesus talked more about this particular subject than any other topic. And the reason why is that he knows that money and things and our stuff are the number one competition of our heart. Our attitude toward them, uh, our money and stuff, or how we view them, it actually reveals a lot about our heart and where our heart's at, which means that this whole topic is a discipleship issue. We're about making fully devoted followers of Jesus here at Brandywine, so it would be wrong to skip this, especially if Jesus talks about it more than any other topic. Jesus said, watch out, be on guard against greed. Be on guard against greed. Now, why do we need to watch out? Well, it's the fact that the love of money is a counterfeit God. 
It's a counterfeit God. Uh, when you think about it, what does money do? Money promises what only God can provide, right? Money says if you have enough of it, then you'll experience peace if you have enough of it. Money says if you've got enough of it, then you'll, experience, you'll feel secure. Money says if you have enough of it, then you're going to be significant. But only God can make you significant as we find our identity in, in Christ. And there are a lot of wealthy people in this world who feel insignificant. You know that? And only God can give you peace. You can have a lot of money and have no peace in your heart. And only God can give you real security. You can have a lot of uh, money in the bank and you can get real sick and money can do you no good. Money, all the money in the world can't heal your sickness. Money, the love of it, is a counterfeit God. It promises only uh, what only God can provide. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here, and I'll ask it again at the end of the message, but would you say that you are a generous person? Would you say that you're a generous person? Now, before you answer that in your mind, uh, I'd like for us to look together at three levels of giving found in Scripture, three levels of giving in the Bible, each level progressing, becoming more and more generous. Um, so, you see, everyone gives. Uh, everyone gives. And pretty much everyone thinks of themselves as being pretty generous. Uh, but to actually live from a heart and posture of generosity, that's a whole different ballgame. That's, that's a whole different animal uh, from just giving. All right? So here are three levels. If you want to pull out your program or your phone app and follow along with the outline, the first level of giving is to, number one, give spontaneously. And you've done this before. You've given spontaneously. There are times when you see a need in someone's life in your sphere of influence and, and think, hey, you know what? I can meet that need. God has given me more than enough. I have the time. I have the resources. I have the ability. And although I didn't get up thinking about doing this this morning, I came across this person with a need, and I am honored and excited to be able to meet that, their need. You have done this before. Honestly, this is the most popular way people, that people give. This is the most popular. More Americans give this way than any other way. And many of you have as well. So, uh, maybe there's a single parent at your workplace and you found out that they were not able to pay their rent this month. So, you said to yourself, hey, me and a couple of my friends, we can chip in together. So, you gave spontaneously to meet that need. Or maybe you probably, there have been times where you've been driving down the road and you've seen someone in need and they didn't look like an axe murderer, so you stopped and, uh, and you, you spontaneously stopped to help them out, right? This is the biblical way a man known as the Good Samaritan, you've heard that name, the Good Samaritan, this is the way that he gave in the story that Jesus told. And if you don't know the story, 
there was a Jewish man who was beaten up by some robbers and thieves. They, he actually met the, the ex-murderer, all right? And, and he, he, left on the side of, he was left on the side of the road just bleeding, likely to die if he didn't find care, if somebody didn't stop. A couple of, quote, religious guys saw him, but just walked on by. They didn't want to get involved. But this Samaritan, who would have normally never interacted with a Jewish person, he stopped and he went out of his way. And he spontaneously decides to help this guy. In other words, when this Samaritan woke up that morning, you know, he wasn't thinking, well, today I'm going to do something great for somebody. That's not what he was thinking. He didn't plan it. He just saw a need and he came upon this fella and he decided to meet that need and he acted on it. And he stops to give care to this guy. He wasn't, he wasn't a physician, but he put oil or salve on his wounds. He bandaged him up. He put him in his Honda Accord or on his donkey. Well, the Bible says the people were all gathered in one accord, so I don't... <laughs> Bad dad joke, right? Bad dad joke. All right. The Samaritan takes, takes this guy to a hotel room, pays a bill for his room, and this is what Jesus said about him. We'll put it on the screen for you, the text. The next day, Jesus said he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Again, the Samaritan, he didn't just wake up that day thinking, today I'm going to do something generous for somebody. He simply saw a need and spontaneously met it. And this is how most people give. And I want to encourage every one of you as, as believers of Jesus Christ to give in this way, continue to give in this way. When you see a need, meet that need and give spontaneously of yourself, uh, whether it be your time or resources or whatever, your ability. But hear, hear me on this. As a Christ follower, don't only give spontaneously, all right? Because this is where most people stop. Uh, if you only give spontaneously, man, you're going to miss out on the great adventure of the next two levels we're going to talk about of generosity. And you don't want to do that. So here, that's number one, uh, to give spontaneously. But number two, the second level of giving is to give strategically. To give strategically. You know, there are some people who are like, man, I wish I could give more. Well, let me say this. You can give more if you plan to give more, all right? Uh, I love what Isaiah 32, 8 says about generous people. Generous people do what? Say it with me. Generous people plan to do what is generous. And that's what Christ followers do. We plan to do what is generous. And then what does the Bible say? And we stand firm in our generosity. So we don't only, we don't only give spontaneously, we don't limit it to that. We also give strategically, uh, plan giving. You know, most people plan to spend. Some people don't even plan to spend and end up spending. You know, they just consume. They see something to go get it and then plan it. But as Christ followers, we are not spiritual 
consumers. That's not who we are as disciples of Jesus. We are spiritual contributors. Amen? That's who he's called us to be. And, and we, we do not believe the world exists for us. It's not about us. It's about him, right? And it's about making ourselves available, our time, our talent, and resources available for his purposes. And so we can make a difference in this world that we live. Malachi 3.10 talks about planned giving. It's the most famous probably giving verse uh, in the Bible. And it says, God is speaking and he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The word tithe means a tenth, um, 10%. Um, and God says, bring the whole tithe, all 10% of it, bring it back because it was never ours to begin with. All of it's his. But he says, bring, you keep 90, bring back 10 to the storehouse. Um, uh, the Old Testament times, the Israelites had a storehouse in the temple, what we would call today a local church. Uh, and he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. That the only time God ever gives us permission to test him is right here. It's the only time you'll see it. And he says, test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. But God says, test me, bring the whole uh, tithe back to me and see if, if you won't have more than enough on that 90%. Now, I'm going to tell you, here's what I'm not going to tell you. Uh, I'm not going to tell you when you tithe, you're always going to get more money, all right? I'm not a TV evangelist, and we're not going to go there. I'm not going to say, hey, if you give $100, you're going to get 1000 back, guaranteed. I'm not going to tell you that. What I am going to tell you is that when you honor God with the tithe, the full tithe, and you give from a heart that's right, with the right attitude to help advance the kingdom of God, I will promise you this because it's not my promise, it's God's promise. His blessing and favor will be on your life. That's what he says. He will, he will prove himself to be faithful. And he'll take care of your needs. Now, yeah, sometimes, and lots of times, you'll see a financial increase. I really believe that over the years. But God always keeps his promises. He rewards those who give generously. And sometimes it's way better than money. Sometimes it's better than money. It's a sense of peace that we have in our lives as we're living in this chaotic world. It's a, it's a, a sense of purpose that he gives us. It's, a, it's friendships and community that we have. It's, a, it's blessed and, and a unified marriage. The bottom line is this. God always, I, and I, I promise you, he always rewards generosity because that's, he, he's, he doesn't lie. And this is what he tells us. I will prom I promise you to reward you. 
Now, let me give you the definition of generosity. Generosity is when you give expecting nothing in return. That's one definition of generosity. You see, selfishness is when you give and think that God owes you something. Are you with me? That's selfishness. Generosity is when you give not expecting anything back from him. But here's the amazing thing. God always rewards our generosity. All right? In the early days here at Brandywine, that first year, uh, when I was the only one on staff at that time, uh, we had about 35, 40 people year one, and half of those were kids. And so you can just imagine how we were barely getting by financially. It's not like we were making a big difference in world missions around here that first year and our giving. But a good friend of mine who, by the way, still attends this church 30, 32 years later, uh, Dr. John Nibb and his wife and family is still here. John can tell you um, he was our church treasurer at that time on the elder board. And John can tell you, when he paid the rent for our uh, school that we were renting to meet in on Sunday mornings, and then he'd pay uh, the salary for myself. After that, week after week, there was nothing left, you know? And, and I remember the conversation our elders had uh, one specific night around one year mark, the one year mark. And it was on this topic, it was like, Wow, we don't ever have any extra, do we? We just, just have barely enough. And, and to, to be honest, at that one-year mark, it would have been easy for us to allow a scarcity mindset to set in, you know, of thinking, oh, man, we can't give more. We, we wouldn't have enough. But our elders made a life-changing, what I call a life-changing decision that evening. We made a covenant together and we said, from this moment on, year one, mark it down here at Brandywine, as a church, we are always going to tithe 10% of everything that comes in the offering box. Every, 10% will go out to help advance the kingdom of God in missions around the world or local missions or whatever. And I can tell you, as your pastor, once we made that decision, the year one mark, 30, 31 years ago now, our church has never, ever lacked. It has never, in fact, since that time, we have always had more than enough. And when extra comes in, we're just able to give more. And it's fun to be able to teach uh, generosity to a church like this because we're not in need, you know? It's not like we're, hey, give more. We're going to close up shop. That's not, that's not what's happening here. But it all started with the tithe. And there are some folks today who would say, you know what, that tithing thing, that's an Old Testament principle that it's done away with, and, and you don't need to pay attention to that anymore. And yet tithing is a principle that runs throughout the whole Bible. Some people are like, well, yeah, it was a law. And yet, tithing predates, predates the law. The truth is, it was practiced before the law, thousands of years before the law. It was practiced during the law, and the principle behind it, it was meant to be practiced after the law. 
in the New Testament. So there are Christians who I respect that do not believe that the tithe is in the New Testament as a principle. Uh, and I have no issue with that. I mean, as long as they, they get that, you know what, under grace, our giving should at least start there with a tithe, under grace. Because the Bible says what? That you and I, as Christ followers, we are to excel in the grace of giving, which means we would never consider giving less than 10% under grace. No, for New Testament believers, it should literally be a starting point. And here's what's important to understand. Just because we are under grace today doesn't mean we throw away the principles of God. All right? Grace never lowers the bar. In contrary, grace ups the bar. Uh, some people mistakenly think that Jesus came to do away with the Old Testament teachings, and that's not true at all. He said in Matthew 5, Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill. In other words, all this stuff is still real. I'm just the fulfillment of it. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to lower the bar. In fact, grace raises the bar. And not about, it's not about following a bunch of rules uh, like in the Old Testament, but it's about having the right attitude and heart and excelling in that. All right? And in the Old Testament, the law says, uh, let me give you an example. The law says, thou shalt not kill, right? But in the New Testament, what does Jesus say? He says, don't, don't even harbor anger or ill toward another person. Let me ask you this. Have you ever, someone who really ticked you off, did you dirty, you ever thought, man, I would like to punch that dude, you know, or I, I, you know, I'd like to smack back them one time, but you didn't do it. Jesus says, if you even thought about hurting them in your mind, then you've already killed them in your heart. God is always looking at the heart. Jesus didn't lower the bar in the New Testament. He, grace actually raises it. It's the same thing in the Old Testament when God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. All right? What did Jesus say in the New Testament? He said, if you even look at that woman with lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. He didn't lower the bar. He, the, grace raises the bar. And the tithe, when you look at the tithe, it was actually instituted thousands of years before Moses brought the law down. Now, here's what you need to understand. Eternal principles of God were in the law, but they continue beyond the law. That's why, you know what, it's still wrong for you to steal somebody's stuff. Uh, somebody forgets their wallet, it's still wrong for you to steal their wallet, all right? Uh, someone might say, oh, come on, pastor, that's Old Testament stuff. The Old Testament said, thou shalt not steal. Well, not stealing is an eternal principle of God. It doesn't matter what page is on in the Bible, whether it's in the front or the back. It's a timeless principle, amen? And it's the same with giving. Did you know that in the New Testament, in Matthew 23, Jesus actually affirms the tithe? In the New Testament, in this passage, Jesus is uh, he's, he's getting on the Pharisees. He's railing them, and they're like, you hypocrites. And he says, you people, you're careful 
to tithe even the tiniest income, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law of justice and mercy and faith. And then Jesus said these three things, and they're in red in your Bible if, if you have red. It's Jesus' own words. Jesus said, by the way, let's just say them together, the first three words out loud. Jesus said, you should tithe. Now, if Jesus said you should tithe, I don't know about you, I'm going to tithe. Um, and you can do your own research on this, and trust me, I want you to, but I'm actually going to tithe. My wife and I have believed in this for over 30 years and practiced it. Jesus said you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, what does that mean? What's Jesus saying? Well, he's not saying that, he's not suggesting that tithing or giving wasn't important because he talked more about money and giving than he did about faith, prayer, and heaven and hell. I mean, not because Jesus thought money is more important than prayer and faith in heaven. It's quite the opposite. Jesus knew that for most of us, money would be the main competitor in our hearts. And here's the point Jesus was making to the Pharisees about tithing. He's saying tithing should be the bare minimum of what we do. It's kind of like the baseline. In other words, don't just give 10% of your time and talent and resources to God. You ought to give your whole heart. You ought to give your whole life to Him. And here's why Jesus was railing on the Pharisees. They, they would give 10% to the temple, and then they would go live however they wanted on the other 90% of their time, of their life. And so Jesus is like, hey, that's not okay. It's not okay. Just because you checked off your tithe box, just because you did that part right, doesn't mean that you can now go live however you want, behave however you want, and your heart not be right. So Jesus said you should tithe, but even more important than that, I'm after your heart. I'm after your whole life. So the question, do you, do you want to be a generous person? Well, generous people plan to do what is generous. And they plan, they, they, they make a habit of bringing percentage back to him. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians, in the New Testament, 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of every week. What's the first day of every week? Yeah, it's Sunday. On Sunday, set aside of what you have earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Now notice two things here. Notice he's referring to percentage giving and notice that it's planned. Both percentage giving and planned giving. Now some of you who are new in the Lord, or, or maybe the, you're hearing this for the first time and you're going, what in the world? 10% of my income? You're saying give back to God? That's crazy. I mean, in order to do that, I would have to rearrange my whole life around God. Yep. <laughs> yep. You got the idea. That's the whole idea. You would have to rearrange your whole life around God if you did that. You'd have to put him first and prioritize him in every area of your life. 
That's the purpose of tithing. Check out this next verse. We'll put it on the screen. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. And I wish I had time. I'd love to do a message just on that word first. Because in Scripture, it's so important that he not only gets our best, but he gets our first. And whether that be the first thing that we pay, my, the first thing I pay is not my mortgage, not a car payment or anything like that. The first thing I do is my worship. I, I give my tithe to God. And that's a biblical principle. But it's not just about money, the first principle. God wants you to put him first in your time. He wants you to put him first in your energy, in your love, in your whole heart. I mean, he wants you to rearrange your whole life around him because he wants to be first. And anything else that's first, then that's called an idol. All right? Now, some of you are going, yeah, but that only leaves me at 90%. (laughs) That's why generosity grows our faith, though. God says, test me and see if I don't bless the remaining 90%. And I know this. As, as you practice this and as you grow in your faith, you're going to come to realize that God's math is different than our math. All right? And what we have uh, left and if we have enough, that 90% of his blessing will go further than 100% without it. Amen? So uh, let's go to the next level of giving. There's spontaneous. There's... there's um, the strategy of planned giving, strategic giving. And number three, we give sacrificially. That is a biblical way of giving. That's a deep, the deeper level of giving, not just spontaneously, not just strategically, but sacrificially. And there are so many powerful examples of sacrificial giving in Scripture, but to me, there is... None more powerful than the story in Mark chapter 12. And this is how Mark told the story. And we'll put it up on the screen for you. Check this out. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. I know that sounds kind of creepy, right? But he can do that because he's God, and God sees everything anyway, right? So Jesus is God, and Jesus is watching what people are giving because what, what they're giving reflects what's in their heart. The next verse says, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins, Jesus called his disciples over when that happened and said, hey, I'll tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now, (laughs) what's interesting to me in this story is not only that Jesus was watching folks put money in, the giving box, what, what, what stands out most to me is that he didn't stop her from doing it. I mean, if I'd have been there that day and I'd been her pastor, I'd have screwed this story all up. I guarantee. I mean, I screwed the whole thing up. If, she had, if I'd have known that she was putting in all that she, she had, 
you know, and she was poor, and I'm her pastor. I probably gone, oh, no, 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 it, it's covered. Huh? Don't, don't worry. I mean, others got it covered. You need that to live off of. What's interesting to me is that Jesus did not rob her from the blessing of giving. In fact, he celebrated her sacrificial gift. And, and one of the things about this story that's so cool, I mean, it has nothing to do with the amount of money that you give. It's really about what you have left over because many gave much more than she did, but she gave all that she had. And Jesus did not rob her from the blessing of giving. In fact, he celebrated her sacrificial gift. He said, this lady has given more than anyone else. And you know, I've, earlier in ministry, I've made this mistake. I was on the mission field uh, in the early days, sitting in someone's grass hut home around the supper table in a third world country. And the family was serving me a meal, and they went all out. Uh, and I mean, what we're talking about, a huge meal, like a Thanksgiving meal. And I, I, I sat there looking at this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is probably over a week's wages, and they're blowing it on me on one meal. And I was like embarrassed. And I looked at them, and I said, holy folks, you should not be doing this for me. Only to have the spiritual leader in that home look at me sternly, and lovingly, but sternly look at me and said, hey, pastor, you and your church have been a blessing to our people, and you will not rob us of the blessing of blessing you. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> and it was humbly, but it was, it was right. It was like, yes, and I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you gave in such a way that you felt it and you loved that you gave up something to be a huge blessing to somebody else? That's the joy of generosity. You know, as Christ followers, this is how we biblically give. We give spontaneously, we give strategically, and we don't stop there. We also give sacrificially. One last scripture, and I think of all the scriptures in the Bible, when I was young in Christ, this one was on the, the one that got me. And I'll tell you what, why here in a minute. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 34. Check it out. He says, well, let's say it together. One voice. You ready? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that doesn't sound too intimidating, right? Until you study that, and it's like, it got me early on when I was not as generous as I should be, and, and the Lord convicted me in my early days as a believer. And he's actually extending an invitation He's saying, here's a surefire way of growing your love for the kingdom of God. All you got to do is give more generously to help advance the kingdom of God. Do it with the right heart. And your heart, as what he's saying, is your heart will always follow wherever you give your money. 
your heart will always follow. In other words, if I had a, a balloon here, a, a red heart balloon, tied a $100 bill to it, let it go, you, you get the idea. That, that money always follows. I know a dad who loved Indiana University, but then his daughter went to Butler University. And after a while, that dad started cheering for them Bulldogs. You know why? Because when you're giving $43,000 a year to someone, your heart is going to follow. And Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you send your money, your heart will follow. And on the surface, that doesn't sound too offensive, right? But as you begin to understand what Jesus is saying, it's really convicting. Because what he's actually saying here is that you and I can say whatever we want with our lips, but our bank accounts, what's in our bank accounts, what's left in there, and where we spend our money, there's a lot more honest than when it comes to our heart's priorities. He's saying that, you know what? You show me your checkbook and I'll show you where your heart's at. And I read that and I understood that for the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh, ouch. And he convicted me. Let me ask you this. After looking at three levels of biblical generosity, let me ask you again. Would you say that you are generous? That you're generous? And let me ask you this. Would you like to be generous? At the bottom of your notes there, this is just between you and the Lord, but this is my commitment to being generous. And I don't know if you've ever prayerfully thought about this before, but this is a discipleship issue. My commitment to spontaneous giving, that's the first one. I will look for opportunities like the Good Samaritan to see a need and to meet that need. And as your pastor, I want to challenge you to continue to be like the Good Samaritan, to look for opportunities to help others, to see a need and meet it. You didn't wake up that morning thinking about it, but you saw a need. It's like, hey, I can do this. I'm willing. Check that box and say, I'm all in. Help me, Lord, to have your eyes as I go about my days. But don't stop there. Go on to the next level. And as your pastor, I will always challenge you to be generous because this is, this is a discipleship issue. To strategically plan your giving. That's the second one. To be a tither. This is where faith begins. And this is the training wheels on the bike. And if you're willing to make that commitment, say, hey, God, I want to bring back what's not even mine to begin with, but I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to live off a of 90 and bring you back 10. Check that off and see. And you can test God in this. He says, test me and see if I don't take care of your needs. But don't stop there. Go on to the next level, generosity. And number three, give sacrificially. And I just want to ask you again, 
what I asked earlier when the last time, when was the last time you gave in such a way that you felt it and you loved that you gave up something to be a huge blessing to someone else or to some mission to help advance the kingdom here on earth. This is the heart behind giving to Christ at Christmas offering. We've done this for over 15 years now annually. Next Sunday, you have an opportunity to participate in this. Sacrificially is what we're calling it because it's a one-time offering above and beyond your regular giving. And it's what always amazes me that, you know what, we always meet budget on this Sunday because people understand, hey, we still have, we need to finish strong the year in December. And, and so it's above and beyond sacrificially. But the idea behind the offering is simple. Whose birthday is it on Christmas? Yeah. Uh, there's this photo I came across, and it's from uh, Louisville in a newspaper down in Louisville. And this is kind of the thought behind giving to Christ at Christmas. Now, let's see, have I forgotten anyone? <laughs> yeah. So as Christ followers over the years, we've said, hey, we want our first and best gift to go to the one whose birthday it is, to Jesus. We want our biggest gift to go to him first. So here's how it works. Next Sunday, I want you to begin to pray what God is have you bring. Where's your faith in this? And just bring whatever your faith says, hey, I feel good about this. Not out of manipulation or anything else. Uh, but, and, but it's sacrificial. It's not what's left over. Not what's easy or comfortable, but your first and your best. And I can tell you this, over the last 15 years, Kathy and I have made a commitment to have our biggest and best Christmas gift go to this initiative of giving to Christ at Christmas. And so in the bulletin insert there, I don't need to explain it all in full detail, but you can read through this year's funds, be used strategically to help both global and local missions in the following three areas. Uh, this is a no-brainer. I mean, our partners in Africa asked for a thousand Bibles and they're going to help with illiteracy, illiteracy. they're going to help with uh, people understanding and evangelism all the above, people are going to come to Christ through these Bibles, and we're going to gift, gift them to them. The second one is expand and relocate the community garden. And this is simple. Your gift is going to help give hundreds of pounds of fresh organic produce to needy families in our own community through our food pantry. And this, this ministry just has taken off, and we really believe it's going to grow and help feed more and more people. And then the last one has to do with the Wellspring Mental Health and Wellness Resource Center. And they've been reaching over 100 people every week, ministering, bringing hope to those who are struggling uh, in the area of mental illness and, and mental health. And this ministry just continues to grow. And we're like, oh, we can't stop it from growing. So we have an opportunity this year with our gift that will help the ongoing growing needs in this vital ministry. So your part in the sacrificial one uh, is to pray, God, what would you want me to do to help you advance as I'm thinking about this gift to bring next Sunday? All right. If that's you, check it off. Say, I'm all in. All right. Now, 
One of the things I love doing at the end of every message is giving people an opportunity, wherever you're at in your relationship with God, if you feel distant, you don't have to leave here distant. If you've never stepped across the line of faith, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? I don't think I even have a relationship with God. When I think about where I stand with God, I don't think I'm good enough. And maybe that's what you're saying. You're thinking, I'm just not good enough. Well, the truth is, the Bible tells us that none of us are good enough. All right? There's no such thing. The, the fact is that Scripture says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And every single one of us have sinned. But here's the good news. For God so loved you. You want to talk about a giver. <laughs> For God so loved you that he gave the most sacrificial gift in the history of the world, his son Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived on earth, Jesus on the cross. He became our sin. He became sin for us. He died in our place. And on the third day, he rose again so that you and I could be forgiven if we choose. Would you like that grace and forgiveness in your life today? Man, he is more than willing. That's why he's here today. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your head? And why don't we just, nobody prays alone. Let's just all pray it together, loud voice, one voice. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Church, can we celebrate with those who made that decision for Jesus? If you said yes to God today, we have a yes table. Uh, Pastor Jimmy and his wife was over there, and they'd be honored to be able to give you some um, things that are going to help you grow. A brand new Believer's Bible and a growth track to help you on the way. If you're watching online today, you made a commitment, we'd love to send you the material. Just check off that box next to, the, to your screen there, and we'll send it to you. I want to tell you today as your pastor, I love you. I love pastor, pastor and being your pastor in a generous church. And uh, let's stand today and we're going to sing about the light of the world. God bless.